episode six of our podcast. I'm Alex, one half of The Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. And today we've got William Porter with us, author of Alcohol Explained and Alcohol Explained Too. And we are really excited. We are really excited. Um, we've squeezed this one in before Christmas because William's new book, Alcohol Explained Too, has a whole chapter which is dedicated to key occasions, including Christmas. So you'll definitely, definitely find this one useful. So hi, William. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for joining us. Thank you for asking me. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what you were like before you stopped drinking and why you decided to stop, if that's all right, please? Yeah, so when I was drinking, I suppose it's the same sort of many people, it kind of tends to be a bit of a one-way street, so you seem to sort of, you sort of end up drinking more and more. Um, and I guess eventually you get to the stage where you kind of have to accept that you're not going to cut back, you're either going to continue where you are and more realistically end up drinking more and more. And I think for a lot of people that's <laughs> it's quite a scary sort to think, in a, you know, where I am now in another five years I'm going to be drinking even more. Um, and it was it kind of causing increasing problems at home and at work and all the rest of it. So that was mainly the reason for stopping. Um, I don't, yeah, I suppose it's not a particularly uncommon story, but like most of these things, it just, you just drink more and more and more as time goes by and you find more and more reason to drink. Um, and so, yeah, that was it really. So I'm coming up to six years. So it'll be six years in February since I stopped drinking, which is oh, a bit wow. of... Starting to feel like a long time now, yeah. Because it feels quite natural then now. It's just you know. Yeah, it does. It kind of it it it's taken a long time, but it almost seems alien now to think about drinking. If you know what I mean, it seems strange to yeah, just like being at work today. I actually finished at midday um, because my son had his um, nativity play today, so I went to that. So the afternoon off, but everyone because it's Friday afternoon, they're all going. Oh yeah, should go to the pub, and it kind of seems odd to think you used to you know drag yourself off to the pub on a friday lunchtime and stay there most of the afternoon and then i don't know come home half cut and feel grotty and yeah. i don't know it seems odd yeah yeah it's I suppose strange, it isn't it? i had this conversation with some friends yesterday and i can just not imagine being the person i was when i drank anymore it just seems so natural to yeah. me now yeah like, yeah it comes, the trouble is as well, it, it, it kind of comes, it ends up being so much of your personality and it's not till you stop that you think, oh wow, that isn't me. So I always used to think I was, you know, really bad tempered and quite, a, you know, always on a short fuse and that was just who I was. And it wasn't until I stopped drinking that I thought, well, I am a bit like that, but nowhere near as bad as I was when I was drinking. So yeah, it kind of, you start to realise you're not the person you thought you were as well and usually in quite a positive way. Did you find at the beginning you were relying on willpower? Because we speak to like loads of people and they're saying things like, oh, I'm white knuckling it or I need a lot of willpower to do it. Um, what, what's your experience with that? To be honest, I, yeah, I think I did because roughly the history was, I think I stopped drinking now probably say six, coming up six years ago. And I think I wrote Alcohol Explained about five years ago. So I'd done a year before I wrote Alcohol Explained. Um, and it kind of was, it was, it was really therapeutic for me to do it because you think you know something, but when you go to write it down and set it all out, you realise that there's gaps in your knowledge and you start to fill it in. And I think also articulating something's really powerful because 
you're kind of, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but you're sort of getting it all out and setting it all out in order and it, it becomes a lot clearer in your own mind. So I think for me, writing Alcohol Explained was a huge help anyway because it helped to clarify things in my own mind. So that was like a massive step forward for me. But I think looking back now, I think I was to a degree. I was, yeah, I was not struggling because I knew I wasn't going to drink again, but I certainly got yeah. sucked into that whole thing of thinking, I've stopped and I'm never going to drink again, but oh, it would be nice to sit down and have a drink on such and such an occasion. So I kind of, since stopping, if you like, I've done more and more work and sort of progressed a bit further. And that hopefully is one of the reasons for the books as well, that I think you don't need to do it that way. You can do a lot of the groundwork before or shortly after you stop. So you don't have to wait years and years and years to get there. So yeah. I think, and this is what I wanted to tell you actually, because I remember, I mean, I did the usuals, all, you know, all the usual range of books that people talk about, you know, Claire Pooley, Annie Grace, Unexpected Joy and so on. And then I came across, because I stopped after Lisa, quite a while after you as well, really, wasn't yeah. it? So I had my best friend kind of on side. But, um, for me, it was, it, your book was the absolute game changer. And I remember the moment I was on my treadmill at home with my earphones and listening to it. And it was that bit where you talk about rewiring the subconscious. I don't know if you word it that way. I can't remember now. It's quite a while ago since I read it. But rewiring the subconscious and it actually yeah. just completely took away my desire to drink. Once I realised that actually you can create new neural pathways for me that was it because I'm so science-minded it was like yeah, yes yeah. somebody who knows what I feel and um, yeah that's brilliant yeah so I think a lot of it is it can be unpicked that's what I genuinely think about it I think at the moment where we are with our understanding of it it tends to be this massive unknown and it's quite scary and unpleasant for people because, yes, they desperately want to stop, but equally they want to carry on drinking and the two things collide and they just can't go anywhere. And it does feel like insanity and all the rest of it. But I genuinely think you can pick it all to pieces. And I also think when you have that understanding, that really, for me, and sounds like for you and for a lot of people, that tends to be the cure to be able to really understand it. That's when you can take a step back and think, oh, actually, you know what? I can control this. I can sort it out. I can deal with it um, yeah. and that seems to be just turns things around completely yeah no I loved it and you know and I, I can't wait and I'm going to mention at this point your second book so <laughs> yeah. uh, but we'll come back to that but yeah I'm really excited well you both we both are aren't we really yeah, excited definitely. about it <laughs> back to your first one though uh, yeah. William I just wanted to ask you about sleep we have a lot of members that come to us in the early days who said that they're struggling to sleep and they might only be able to sleep after a nightcap. What would you say to that? So there's a load to say about that. I mean, obviously... Oh, yes! <laughs> like, sorry, I don't have to ask any more questions now. But obviously, the, so the starting physiological point with it all is that alcohol is a chemical depressant, so it decreases or inhibits nerve activity. Okay, but your brain seeks to counter that. Your brain tries to maintain a balance, a sort of a chemical balance. So when you put the depressant alcohol inside you, your brain increases the stimulant side of things to try and counteract it. Um, it it's kind of complicated how it does it, but it, it introduces its own naturally occurring stimulants. 
but it also the neurons that react to them become more sensitive and the, those stimulants stay within your system a bit longer as well but all really i mean it's how i imagine it is just it balance, it pushes up the stimulant side of the scale to counteract the depressant side so obviously when the alcohol wears off you're left overly stimulated okay so that's the first point so that's how it impacts sleep normally is so sleeps again it's something human beings don't really know an awful lot about but what we do know is you sleep in different stages so you go into very very deep sleep and then you go up through different layers and it's almost up to almost being completely conscious and one of the very important stages is called REM sleep yeah. um, and that's rapid eye movement sleep and again no one really knows what it does or why it's so important but when they've attached um, sort of sensors to people's brain and monitored them in sleep REM sleep they look like they're awake everything lights up and starts firing now they're actually asleep but it looks like they're awake so I think what all you again you don't need to get too bogged down in the science but what you need to appreciate is you sleep in cycles and it goes from very very deep sleep up through to almost conscious and then back down again and you kind of cycle through them and if you let it run naturally you wake up feeling fairly refreshed and happy um, because sleep, obviously, your body physically recuperates when you're asleep. Your muscles repair themselves. It rids itself of waste and all the rest of it. But also your brain deals with things when you're asleep as well. So all of your experiences, whatever you've been through, through during the day, when you're asleep, your brain almost digests it as if it was food and breaks it down and impacts, you know, makes sense of it all. Um, that's why sleep's so important. Now, the problem with alcohol, because it's a depressant, it locks you down into very, very deep sleep for the first part of the night, which may sound good, but it isn't because you can't get up into those higher levels like REM sleep. And then, of course, when the alcohol wears off and you're left with just stimulants, you can't sleep at all. Um, and that's why a lot of people, when they're drinking, they wake up at like four in the morning, can't get back to sleep, even though they're absolutely shattered. And really, it's the equivalent of... Um, as I think I've mentioned it in my new book, but it's almost like the, imagine you need eight hours sleep a night and you go to bed and you set the alarm for four hours and you get up and have eight cups of strong coffee and then lie there for the rest of the night totally unable to sleep. That's what you're doing when you drink. You're just totally destroying your sleep. Um, why people then need a nightcap? Because don't forget, if you're drinking regularly, what your body does when you come to bedtime your brain starts to um, release chemicals to calm things down it's own naturally occurring stimulants and that leads you off into sleep now if every night you're drinking alcohol to make that depressant to make to take yourself into sleep your brain gets used to that so it stops releasing its own depressant so then you need that chemical to get into sleep so as I say, so, so that's just basically a habit you get into. If you're drinking every night to go to sleep, you will continue to need that. It won't help you sleep because it interferes with that natural progression up through the different stages. So you'll be destroying your sleep anyway. But again, when you then try and go to bed without drinking, yes, you won't be able to get to sleep. It won't last long. Three or four nights, you'll probably find you get back to normal. But yeah. yes, you will struggle for the first few nights. Um, and be unable to sleep but then yeah that's something you just have to deal with you just have to have a few nights off and yes you might struggle to go to sleep but it won't last long and the quality sleep you get after that will be 10 times different 
you'll be waking up feeling hugely better than you ever did when you were drinking. Oh, definitely. I think it's just good to let people know that because we do hear that so much, yeah. don't we? And it's an answer that I don't really have for people because I was always all right with sleep. I've always kind of... You were unconscious. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, but as soon as I stopped drinking, I just felt so, I was still going to sleep at the same time, so, you know, so I just felt amazing the next day, but when people say to me, I've been like a week in and I'm struggling to sleep, I'm like, ah, William! <laughs> drink every day or were you more sort of a binge drinker i was a binge drinker we were both binge drinkers yeah so that's the key difference if you're only so if you're only drinking on weekends you never get into the habit of needing that alcohol to to go to sleep so i was a yeah binge well but it's the regular drinkers who who then their brains get used to it so you if you started drinking again and drank for two weeks where you had a couple of drinks every night to get off to sleep you would find the same thing you would then struggle to sleep when you cut it out so that's right. the difference regular drinkers do have a very different experience of things and binge drinkers the mechanics are the same but they do experience things very differently and there's actually a withdrawal phase that regular drinkers go through that binge drinkers don't go through as well yeah, it's interesting because when you so when you stop the stages you have to go through firstly the alcohol has to leave your system then the increased stimulants need to leave your system because don't forget when the alcohol disappears, you then got those increased stimulants. That's the sort of the nervous jittery part that has to disappear. Um, and then if you are a regular drinker, because those, so if you're drinking every night, those stimulants are in your system all the time because they're still there and then you're drinking to get through them the next day and then more of them get put in. So for regular drinkers, those stimulants are in their system 24 hours a day seven days a week so when you cut them out they feel really tired so what you find is with binge drinkers they need the alcohol to leave they need the stimulants to leave and then they need to catch up on sleep and then they're back to normal but the regular drinkers they need the alcohol to leave the stimulants to leave and then they need to get used to the stimulants not being there it's the equivalent of having nine cups of coffee a day and suddenly stop having it you're tired all the time so they have that additional period of a couple of weeks sometimes where they're just exhausted and they need to sleep all the time so it is slightly different depending on whether you're a regular drinker or a binge drinker so that explains then why you see so many conflicting things on social media where some people say yeah. well i've always had loads of good sleep whereas others say oh no i'm not sleeping and yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. i guess what you've said there about the stimulants is kind of related to why some people and, I, and I've experienced this and I still do quite severe anxiety that I didn't know I had as a drinker yeah, yeah, and again, yeah. yeah and I was a binge drinker so I would drink at weekends and drink you know a fair amount yeah. um, but I never realized until after I stopped drinking I now deal with quite severe anxiety and I'm still left with it now mm. and I guess I was masking it before but at the beginning oh my word it was I'd get palpitations with it. It was unbearable. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because that period, when your body puts stimulants in to counteract the alcohol, when the alcohol leaves, that excess stimulant, it's, it's anxiety and nervousness. And it's like having a knot in your stomach of kind of like nerves. Yeah. And that's what it is, just overly stimulated. And of course, that's where the real addiction comes in. Because the quickest way to get rid of that unpleasant feeling is to drink more. Because then you're redressing the balance and masking that overstimulation and that really is the crux of what addiction to alcohol is it's drinking to get rid of that feeling that was caused by the previous drinking oh definitely 
No, it makes sense. And I, I, I'm, I, I did, actually didn't know what you just said, and I don't think you did about no, the I difference didn't. in binge drinker and regular drinker. So that's yeah, no, that's yeah. So, so when you see people, so it will be very different if people are stopped. Some people will say, oh, I just want to sleep all the time. And then when you say, were well, you a regular drinker? The answer is yes. Whereas yeah. people who felt awful, had a couple of good nights sleep and then wake up feeling fantastic, they'll be the binge drinkers. Yeah. Because you used to get really bad anxiety, didn't you, the day after drinking? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, was... I think everyone does. It's, yeah, it, it kind of, it's one of those things where people think it's only them. And often they don't put it down to drinking, but it, yeah, everybody gets it. It's not possible to drink and not get it because that's, the, that's what allows you to drink as much as you can. It's the same as um, building up a tolerance to alcohol. The only reason you can drink more and more is because your body is able to counteract increasing amounts of alcohol, but it can only do that by putting the stimulants in which leave you feeling anxious. And of course, that's where the link between alcohol and depression comes in as well. Well, even as a binge drinker, I would, like you just said then, I would get really, really bad anxiety. But what I've realised now after stopping for so long is that it wasn't just affecting me the day after, it was affecting me every single day. And there was things that I, I would be, I'd panic about my phone ringing and I wouldn't even be able to answer it. You know, things like that. Whereas now I'm like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just didn't realise how much it affected my whole life by just yeah. drinking out a weekend. I think I think that's the other thing. If you drinking at the weekend, it's easy to think that you know you get drunk Friday and Saturday, and then you recover Sunday, and then you're good to go Monday. But it doesn't actually work like that because if you're drinking Friday and Saturday, and to be honest, a lot of the time on Sunday anyway. But let's say you don't drink Sunday, you're going to still have the alcohol in you because binge drinkers as well. We tend to drink a lot more anyway, so you tend yeah. to it away a bit um so you're probably looking at sunday's the day when you're getting rid of the alcohol you're probably looking at tuesday or wednesday before you've got rid of those excess stimulants and the problem is that will have interrupted your sleep then for four days and sleeping is a habit if you're constantly ruining your sleeping pattern you don't go back to a normal sleeping pattern on day one it takes a few days to get back to a normal sleeping pattern and then a few days to catch up on sleep so if you're drinking every fifth day, you're getting drunk again, you're not quite getting back to where you need to be. And of course, I mean, nobody knows how that's going to impact, for example, anxiety, that lack of sleep. But if you're not sleeping properly, it's going to have massive implications on your sort of mental and physical health. Yeah. Do you think, William, that after a while of not drinking, do you think you need less sleep? Yeah. I don't know. I suppose it depends. It depends on the individual, and I think it depends on um, exercise as well. Because I know, I if like for example, I went for a run this morning, and I know I, I'll sleep more tonight because of it. <laughs> you're, if you're doing exercise, you will need slightly more sleep as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose it probably is. I mean, looking back on it, I probably do sleep less now than when I was drinking because I suppose I was constantly, my body was constantly trying to catch up on sleep. Whereas now it's probably the first time in the last 25 years that I've actually got enough sleep on a regular basis. Yeah. It's probably the case. Yeah. Because I think as well, you do get people who drink and then they sleep for like 12 hours or so. 
Yeah. And nobody needs that amount of sleep. The reason they're sleeping for 12 hours is because they're not getting the quality sleep they need in the first eight hours. They're up and down and all over the place. So their body's constantly putting them back into sleep to try and get that correct sleep. And of course, you don't do that when you're not drinking because you sleep properly. Yeah. So I guess even like, because we hear, or we used to hear, both of us worked together in pubs and mm. obviously went out to them as well. And what we'd hear a lot of is, oh no, I don't have a hangover, I'm just tired. And I guess that is a hangover, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the hangover, it's tiredness, it's part. Yeah, because the hangover's what's hung over from, yeah, the hangover from your drinking. And that's yeah. what causes it. Yeah, but I've heard that so many times as well, yeah. I'm not hungover. I hear it now and I've got a kind of just got and not say anything because yeah. we do hear it a lot. No, no, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your new book? Because honestly, I can't imagine what else you can write about because I think you did a pretty good job with number one. <laughs> That's why I'm so worried about it. Because it's gone really well. And now I'm kind of thinking, have I just shot myself in the foot because it's got so much to live up to? So I'm kind of a bit nervous about it, to be honest. But it's to be honest, it's nothing entirely new. I don't know if you've read my blog post, but a lot of it is building on stuff I've already kind of explored in the blog posts. Um, and what I what I did because I've self-published on Amazon, all you do is you write a book on like Word and then you upload it to Amazon. It's as simple as that. So yeah. you can change the book really easily. So when I first wrote it. I kind of published it and then when I thought of something new or I'd add it in so the first what alcohol explained now is it's about 10,000 words longer than the very first published book <laughs> changing it and updating it was really easy to do so you just go onto your word document and add a chapter or rewrite this and then upload it well I'd be asking you to send my extra pages if I'd bought an <laughs> early one <laughs> yeah. um but then someone then a few people kept asking about the audio version so i got the audio version done and of course when you've done the audio version it's not as easy to do you can't just update it so i thought it doesn't matter i'll just i will update it but i'll leave it a year or so and then just do like a major rewrite and do like a second edition and then get it re-recorded um but when i got round to doing that it was it was like as long as the original book all the extra bits to add in um, and the other thing that slightly worried me is um, I had the book translated into French and the lady who was translating it kept coming to me and saying, this bit doesn't make sense. I think this bit's rubbish. And those <laughs> bits that I thought were like really good. And then I downloaded the Kindle version because on the Kindle version, you can see what people are underlining. It shows you the highlights. And there were bits of highlights people had underlined that I didn't think that much of and I would have rewritten and crossed out entirely so i thought alcohol explained what is doing well so i won't risk totally rewriting it and potentially ruining it but i did kind of feel that there was other stuff probably to say on the subject but saying that it, it, it's it is different to alcohol explained in that i think the first half roughly half of the book is kind of exploring going over some old stuff in a slightly different way and building on it slightly and introducing a few new topics and bringing in a couple of new topics as well. And then the second half of the book is almost entirely just different tools to use yeah. um, to help you stay sober. So it's kind of different because the alcohol explained the original book was, you know, like 90% of it was an explanation. Yeah. And then there was like a sort of a how to quit bit tagged at the end. 
Whereas this, the dynamic's very different. It's a lot more to do with how to quit um, rather than, yeah. So it's, it, it is a different book. Um, and it doesn't <laughs> follow, as in, it doesn't just follow exactly the same format yeah. as the original, um, which is why I'm slightly nervous about it. But then oh, I hence, don't think you have to be. Yeah, no, I, I reckon they're just all your loyal fans like us will be there <laughs> yeah. with it anyway. So <laughs> in truth. I think you can talk about getting sober, sobriety, forever. I just think yeah. it's never, ever, ever ending. No, you see, you're really lucky because you're best friends and you both quit. I think where most people struggle, it's socialising, because socialising is so alcohol-centric. And it is really nice to be able to socialise with people without drinking, but it doesn't happen enough. And that, I would, you know, I was almost tempted to, put a bit in the book about trying to give the book to other people and try and get like a group of friends to all quit because it just makes it so much easier when you've got people to socialize with who aren't throwing alcohol down the neck all the time and I don't mean it from a trigger point of view because I'm never triggered to do it but it's just so dull talking to people when they're drinking they're boring aren't they they just like go on and on yeah yeah really it's just horrible oh yeah yeah we we escape now together yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, you can just go, do. Come on, let's go. And we, we've had yeah, enough. Yeah. Of really lucky. And I think, um, I know I've spoken on our other podcast, but my mum is sober now as well. Oh, and okay. I've got to say, William, she's a really big fan of yours. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and if I mention her at the same time as talking to you, she feels like she's spoke oh. to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mum's still drinking, so. But no, well, I work with my mum as well, so I dread to think what it had been like. But no, she's done just over 14 months now. So I kind of convinced my mum to come on board, my best friend to come on board. And I got my husband Yeah. come on board. Well, you've done better than I have. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing as well, though, is... converted thousands and millions of people. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. friends and family still drink my sister's quit but she never read the book i gave her the book and she didn't read it and just quit anyway oh and she's missing out drink yeah I don't think families get that interested in what you're doing they kind of just go yeah 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 that sounds really good and that's yeah, it yeah yeah to be honest I, I, I never really made a big thing of it i didn't tell them until quite a, a couple of years after it kind of taken off a bit um and and how do you do that? Like, we can't do anything without phoning each other up. It'd be all over. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, yeah. I, when I wrote it, I think it's kind of how I feel about the new book now. I kind of think, oh, it might not go very well, and I don't really want to make a big song and dance about it if everyone thinks it's a load of old rubbish. <laughs> they won't. And I have read one chapter of it because you released the chapter, didn't you, about the That's Christmas? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise you, you've got nothing to worry about. If the rest of it's anything like that, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I just just a little bit about what you were saying there before we finish up on socialising as well. And I mm. think stopping drinking, not only like, you know, all these other benefits we've talked about, but just the whole social experience, it's so much more real, isn't it? Laughter's real, emotions yeah. real, connections real. It, you tend to you tend to enjoy the evening rather than go out purely for the drinking. Yeah. And because that's uh, and, and the same is true like for Christmas and going on holiday and all the rest of it. When when you're drinking, it is all about the drinking, and that's really what you're there to do. And it's almost like the rest of it's just a side part. But when you stop, you start to 
you have to enjoy it for what it is otherwise there's yeah. no enjoyment in it so yeah it's it, it's different it's a completely different experience but yeah i'm just thinking about socializing and you've just made me realize that i actually don't socialize anymore with people that drink it's at yeah. all like no. i never you ever socialize with anybody that drinks um but that's because he keeps converting everybody. That's not because they weren't drinkers. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about the situation or if I'd enjoy... I'm actually out tomorrow yeah. for a birthday do with mm. everybody drinking. They've got, they've got 90 minutes of free drinks, actually. Oh, so right. we're going home after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's oh. all right. It's cost me half the price for mocktails. It's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, this is the first time in 18 months that I've actually gone out with a group of people that are drinking. Oh, right. See, I go out with drinkers quite a bit through, like, work and yeah so i kind of used to it but I, I do there's usually someone somewhere not drinking i do tend to make a bit of a beeline for them because it what i found is you you're all if people aren't hammering it you're usually all right for two maybe three hours yeah and after that it starts to get painful and it's <laughs> work do recently it really annoyed me actually we went out for a work do and it was, so it's free drinks all night at this place in London. It's really nice. So it was like, okay. I went to the bar and asked for an orange juice and they made me pay for it. <laughs> oh, no, they all didn't. The alcohol, all the alcohol is free, but the soft drinks oh, are free I hope you're putting a complaint. I was tempted to, to be honest, because they've just pushed this massive campaign at work about um, include, about including everyone. And we're all different, but you include everyone, all the rest of it. And there's all these pictures everywhere. And it's like... I'm gay, include me, I'm this, include me. And I really wanted to say, you should have someone saying, I don't drink, include me. Absolutely. I've got an idea for this, William, but you do know me and Alex run workplace presentations. <laughs> and we encourage all employees to take on a 30-day challenge together. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 Um, we'll just yeah. put that in there. You might be busy yeah, yeah. before too long now. <laughs> <laughs> oh honestly we're really grateful you've been on today thank you so much for your time yeah. really thank you for asking me it. yeah it's been great yeah. I've, yeah i've enjoyed it i've really enjoyed it too i hope we can uh, get you back on again after your new book comes out so we can talk a little bit more yeah that'd be good yeah hope you like it when it's out fantastic oh, we will we will when is it out so it's I'm just waiting for the nod from Amazon to say it's actually up on their site. So it will be, that will hopefully be in the next couple of days, but then I need to register it because without going into too much detail, but you can, every three months, you can give it away free on Kindle for five days. That's the maximum you can do, but there's usually a day or two lead in time to that. So I'm hoping it will be, you'll probably be able to buy it by the end of the weekend that the free version for five days will be available. I'm hoping kind of early, middle part of next week. So you have to keep your eyes peeled because it's only five days for that and then that'll be it. Oh, and you'll have so, to tell us, don't be keeping it a secret. Include us. Thank you so much, William. It's been lovely speaking to you. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
So join us in the new year where we've got lots more special guests. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe and leave us a review. If you didn't, then yeah, you might want to keep it to yourself because we're all about the positive vibes and what you don't know really doesn't hurt you. What's the saying? Is it ignorance is bliss or something? Yeah, definitely. I'd rather not know. <laughs> Me too. We've also just released our journal. It's a 30-day journal and workbook. You can actually get it on Amazon through Prime. So if you order it today, you'd get it in two days' time. Um, that's just because they've got to print it and stuff. It's six ninety nine. Search it on Prime or visit our website in the merchandise section and you can get a link directly to it. And it'll be really useful if you're doing dry January. It really will. It's filled with tips, ideas and what to expect in the first 30 days as well. So that's it from us and we will see you in the new year. Bye.